When I go to Sacramento, I will pump up Sacramento. 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 Turner Sparks just got married and has moved home to America after 12 years living in China. Sir Michael Ira Kaplan has two kids, a wife, a job, and has spent his entire life in the USA. Neither one can figure their country out. This is Lost in America. All right, everybody, welcome to Lost in America, episode 68. My name's Turner Sparks in Hong Kong. I am Michael Kaplan in New York City. You can find me at Turner B. Sparks on Twitter. You can find Kaplan at K-A-P, Cap in America. This week, I'm in Hong Kong. Cap's in New York. On the podcast today, we have comedian Paul Johnson, comedian, comedy writer Paul Johnson. Paul used to be a Mormon. When he was a Mormon, he went on a mission to Germany we're going to find out all about what it's like to go on a mission, to go to Germany, to knock on people's doors in Germany, to drive, to ride around on a bicycle in those black and white suits. But, Cap, the interview you we know, did – Hold on. I, 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 hold on one second. I wanted – last week I was like, we got to book James Lipton to find out about being a pimp in Paris, and this is what you bring me? This is, who, <laughs> this is as close as we could get. You bring, me, you bring me a Mormon in Germany? That sounds way less interesting, but all right. Well, is... I'll give him a chance. Cap, I went for, so that okay. Before all that though, we gotta say that we recorded this a couple weeks. We recorded this last week, but now I'm on my tour. So look at us. We're doing our intros from abroad. We're, this is the first time we're trying this technology. I hope it works. Yeah, we're breaking new ground here. We are breaking using new a thing ground. called a telephone. It's, it's very it's, exciting. It's very exciting. Uh, but before before we get to all this, we have a correction to make. Uh-oh, do you have correction music? We have correction music. Should we play the, uh, uh, should we play the Violent Femmes? Viol- play the Violent Femmes. They won't do it. Play, play, play the correction music. If we keep telling. Lies, lies, lies. All right, so here's what it is, Cap. Last week, Jeremy Carrican, great guest. Yeah. Came on the pod, but I got I to gotta tell you, I think he, he knows a little he, – he, he knows a lot about a lot, but he's also one of the guys, those guys who knows a little about a lot and then just dives right into it, very much like I do. You, whatever you don't know. Wait, I, I'm the same way. That's the, key, that's the key to podcasting. Yeah, you cover it up with bravado, right, whatever you're unsure of. Yeah. And so he's somebody who skates on the edge of truth and lies. And, uh, <laughs> and in this one case, Gary Sparks, accountant to the pod, big-time pod listener, um, push, had some pushback. At the very end of the, la- at the last episode, we were talking about the Water Witch, the guy who went around our neighborhood. I thought he was Indian, uh, but I wasn't sure if it was Native American or Indian from India. Turned out Gary Sparks came in nothing. He was not Indian at all. He was just some white guy. He had a tan. This is an old American tradition, says Gary Sparks, right? And so this goes oh. back very far back. My dad's uh, great-grandfather, my great-grandfather used to be able to do this. What they do, oh, walk around. a long line of divine water guys. I do. From water witches is apparently what they're called. So <laughs> this guy, when my parents were building our house out on this acreage in, in 
rural California in the foothills of the Sierra Nevada mountains. This, they got this guy to come out. My dad also said $50. I thought it was 1000 so I'm the liar on that one. Wow. Paid the guy $50. Well, $50, $50 when you were a kid, though, is a couple hundred dollars. You're right. I think, yeah. that, yes, uh, a movie was a nickel back then, so. Yes. <laughs> $50. So, anyway, this guy comes out, old man something, old man Johnson or something like that. He comes out. He gets a. A, a coil, like a, a metal coil, like a, kind of like a rod, but he coils it up like barbed wire. Think, think of barbed wire. Puts it into a Y shape, so like a um, a wishbone, right? He grabs one end of All each right. of it. He walks around the neighborhood. The wishbone gets pointed down into the ground, and he says, "This is where you got to build your well." Now, this we told this last week. This is where Jeremy Kerrigan said, "Ah, there's water everywhere." That's an old, that's an old scam. Not true. That those are lies. Fake news. Fake. Typical, the libertarians are full of their fake news. Typical libertarian fake news. Listen, this is coming <laughs> to you from Reason.com. They do it all the time, these libertarians. Yeah, but, you know, he did it with, he did it with confidence, and, you know, that's the key to you – know, he was really mansplaining to us, and he did a good job of it. <laughs> he really I, was. I believe him. So you can't I mean, what be, do I know about water? These wells aren't everywhere. They, my dad said that the county – of Elder, El Dorado County, they had commissioned all these hotshot, big-time college boys to come out, do all these studies, get these maps out, make some sketches. Yeah. And they said, if you want a well for your county, you got to dig right here. Well, guess what happened? El Dorado County dug, no water. They did it five more times, no water. And then El Dorado County wised up. They paid old man Johnson, the same guy, 50 bucks. He came out one time, found the water, water for the whole county uh, of he had a, He's got a gift, a gift from above. He's got some a gift. Some find water, some can't. Now, next some piece of fake news. Water. I'm sure there are women water diggers. Yeah. Next piece of fake Very news. The story goes on that we have Ooh. no filter. There's never been a filter on the Sparks family's well. This is just water coming unfiltered straight into our house from the, from the time I was 10 years old, whenever we moved into that house. So I have a so product. So is that, is that raw water? It it's is raw then? It's raw water. Yeah. So... So billion-dollar idea, why aren't you guys bottling this stuff and selling it to hippies and Ch hipsters and whatever they are? Ch 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 who are paying $25 a gallon. Of course. This is what I was telling Gary Sparks. They're paying $25 a gallon. We've literally gotten it for free my entire life. Oh, my God. You're sitting on You're like one of those people who, like, they find oil underneath their home and all of a sudden you're billionaires. Like black gold, baby. <laughs> Texas tea. It's black gold. It's going to change your whole life. This put is every, put everyone through college. This is literally a billion dollar <laughs> yeah. idea. So what we got to do, we yeah. gotta we gotta bottle it. We gotta get out to Bonnaroo and sell it to these hippies. Yeah, you gotta. And, and guess, maybe yeah, uh, I, I think you could sell some to Ents. I think Ants will buy some. So. <laughs> I think he will with the hot sauce. Ants is a water. <laughs> it's from the foothills of the Sierra Nevada mountains. And guess who's not getting a taste of it? Jeremy Lyon Carrican. So anyway, that's it. But before we get to Lost in America. This weekend, uh, I just finished all my shows in Hong Kong. They were fantastic. Thank you to everyone for coming out. Tonight, yeah, I will be tonight. I will be in Hanoi doing a show. This weekend, I have uh, two shows in Bangkok on Friday and Saturday night, and then uh, early next week on January thirtieth, I'm going to be in Singapore. So check all that stuff out. Plus February third in Shanghai, February ninth in in Beijing. That's the whole trip. All right, should we get to uh, should we get to uh, Lost in America? Uh, yeah, play the music. Play the music. Or was there...
All right, we're back. Cap, you're lost in American Sports. What's up? Yeah, I mean, I've got a I've got a long five days ahead of me. Randy's on a plane as we speak to Paris for work. Ooh, la, la. Uh, the apartment I'm uh, the apartment I'm recording to, from looks like a tornado every so through it because I was just drinking whiskey while the kids are running around like maniacs. I'd be when I'm wait. home alone and all the energy to work. wait. How long ago did she leave? Oh, she left like uh, at like two hours ago. And <laughs> I, 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 I didn't, it was like it was like time for bedtime, and the second they went out the door, she went out the door. They just went like maniacs running around just started drinking whiskey and watching the pictures and i just don't <laughs> be energy to, i don't have the energy to force bedtimes when i'm by myself wait do they know, treat whatever. you like, and just, literally it's only been two hours and it's already pure chaos do they treat you like a substitute teacher like they know when she's gone <laughs> you're just like you got nothing pretty, on them pretty much I mean, that's basically the exact analogy it's like they just like have no <laughs> it's like they have no respect it's like we're both here they know that, like, there's a good cop, bad cop. But if it's one of us here, it's, it works the other way, right, too. Or if I'm not here, like, they just, run rough. They just go nuts. It's like, they just can't. You got to so, yeah, get. I, I don't. And especially if it's me. You got to get Will Savitz. I, 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 yeah, I do need him. Because they, well, they, they sent it. Like, I was watching the Pitcher game, and they sent it. Like, I didn't want to pause the game to really enforce the bedtime. They just ran with that. They started all, <laughs> they start playing together like they're best friends. All of a sudden, they're. Anyway, I was I did rope with them though. I literally ignored them until they both were like, "I'm tired. I want to go to bed." So it worked out. Once Daddy um, gets his so whiskey, first... all bets are off. Yeah, exactly. So first victory, but I got I've got other battles to accomplish. For one, uh, Ruby also says to me today, uh, yesterday, she she says she got these scratches on her. Yeah. And she says that uh, this boy in her class scratched her. So we so we said something to the teacher about it, and um, they basically looked into it and they said that no he didn't do anything um she got ruby did it to herself and oh, I, I i just can't believe in this environment that in this me too environment that i've got the one ruby's the one person this is where the line was drawn time's so up one. so i got yeah exactly time so is, i gotta have a talk to the school time is I, up. i'm going to that school tomorrow and i'm gonna do a little talking to them or Kaplan. i'm gonna get uh, one of those gloria aldridge or lisa bloom on the case yeah let's get gloria aldridge listen i'm as much as I've been a defender of the boys will be boys defense my whole life, you know, but even yeah. that, even someone like me can say that if you're scratching a three-year-old, you blame her, you victim shame, you blame the three-year-old. Yeah. They, they, they said, they said that, uh, she had, um, a pain on her and then she scratched it off. And then they said that, yes. And then they said that this boy in question does like, does like to do things to girls. But he's been good lately. And I'm like, oh, red flag, red flag. This That's a complete is, uh, red flag. You know. I mean, yeah, this, yeah. I don't, I mean, we got, it's time we start believing women when they say that they've been some attacked, whatever. We can't, this whole thing of just sweeping it under the rug, It's it's got to go. And I can't believe, I really honestly can't believe that at preschools in New York City, <laughs> they're not believing the girl. That's insane to me. Yeah, and I think, if anything, even if Ruby is telling a little fib here with an active imagination of a three-year-old, this is the time when we have to re-educate the kids if we want to change the world. So even if she's – you've got to teach boys right now. You've got to – girls are going to say things. You better be you better be your best behavior at yeah. all times. I'll give them anything. And girls have to learn that they're going to be believed. From an early age, I'm coming up – I'm coming – as crazy as far to the one inside as I can right now, I'm making a stand. And also, I have a father of a daughter, as Matt David would say. And here's Cap. Do they? Yeah. Do they know? The, do they know you have a podcast? Do you have a platform? I mean, we can get our listeners on this on this guy. Uh, 
you know. No, they don't know, and we're not gonna. We're not gonna make them find out because then I don't. Let's say his name. Getting, let's say his name publicly. I don't want my kids not gonna get. <laughs> not gonna do that. And then we'll get a little. I don't want to. Get, get the pitchforks out, and we'll get a little mob going after him. I'm all for that. Yeah, yeah. I think we've got to talk to our lawyers before we get into that. We're gonna talk to Blue Shirt. We're gonna talk to your manager Todd about what you know. We don't want to. Okay. We don't want to cut out the public. We don't want to cut out the schools, but of but, that's, but that's, it's good that we have it in the back pocket. Okay, you back know, pocket. We'll, we'll back uh, pocket. Next time, I'm, next, next time I'm over there, I'll, I'll drop the, the fact that I have a successful podcast with hundreds and hundreds of listeners. Hey, we're thousands, <laughs> baby. We got thousands. Come on. Yeah. All right, Cap. So okay. anyway, you got your kids. You're lost with your kid. You got five days with kids that you don't know how to raise, and. Uh, you got this teacher. I feel like the teacher is lost in America this week. If the teacher in New York City is unaware of the current climate we're living in, I would say they're more lost than you or I. Yeah, they're not lost as the Hawaiian uh, uh, mass texture of a ballistic missile guy. But, you know, they're, they're, they are more lost than us. So that's the good theme of the season. I would say this, this teacher is more lost than the ballistic missile guy at this point. Yeah. And I'm going to be lost in the next five days. I, I know we might not be doing podcasts, but we might have to do some emergency entry or something just to let the listeners know what's going on in the, uh, in the capital of the state here. All right. As, uh, as, as the, substitute, the substitute teacher's in charge, so, as they're saying. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, Cap. Well, Ints, Ints is an app. Yes. You can get it in the app store. You can get it at ints.nyc. You can record up to five-minute uh, voice recordings, audio recordings, r- music, whatever you want to record up to five minutes. It's also it's a social media platform, so you can tag your friends. You can talk back and forth to people. You can talk to Ikram. You can talk to me. You can talk to Kaplan. You can find us at Lost in America on Ints or Turner Sparks on Ints. We're all there. And Ints us in questions for the pod. We'll play them live on the pod. We also, coming soon, Kaplan, here's an announcement. I can't say exactly what it is, but we have a new sponsor coming in. Ooh. And it's going to be exciting. Hey. We're not getting rid of Ents. We're not getting rid of Amazon, which right. also you guys got to get to Amazon. And uh, go to lostinamericapod.com. If you're going to shop on Amazon, go to lostinamericapod.com first. Click the advertisement in the top right-hand corner. That'll take you back to Amazon. Do your shopping. So we're not going to get rid of either one of those, but we're adding one more. And then we might have to cut it off because we got so many yeah, people well, want to get involved. Yeah, we, I think we keep, keep it going. We got, we got big pockets. Well, if, they, yeah. if someone wants to get in after this one, they're going to have to pay big bucks. They're going to have to beat what we're getting paid by Amazon and Ants and the new guy. Yeah, I think we should, uh, we, yeah, we should aim big. Maybe Apple or someone. I, I see they have a lot of money. They're bigger than Bezos. So. Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you, Aunt Jeff Bezos. You've been a really a dear sponsor. We, we'll never forget you. Well, you might still be around. He, might still, be, he'll, he'll might still be around. All right, Cap. Let's get to – so we recorded this last week. Paul Johnson, this is what we're going to be doing for the next few weeks. I'm on the road. We're gonna, we have a bunch of uh, uh, interviews we'll be playing, but we're going to be doing these intros live from the road. It's exciting. All right, should we get to Paul Johnson? So, wait, we can't we, – so, so is this the first podcast ever where we're not going to say, bring him in, I see him outside? <laughs> I think it might be. Well, <laughs> he might be. Making history. Let's cut to Paul. Let's go talk to him. Cut to Paul. <laughs> We're back with our guest, Paul Johnson. Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for doing it, man. We, Paul and I, we talked this earlier, but we knew each other back at Kung Fu Comedy Club. Yeah, all the way back. Uh, we were both there the same amount of time. We were both in China for like 12 years, but I guess only knew each other 
the last three, four years. Yeah. Were you in Shanghai the whole time? Yeah. You yeah. were. And what were you doing besides, because you started comedy, when were you doing comedy? We met in like 2013 or something like that, probably? Yeah, I only did comedy like my last four years there, but uh, initially I went over, I was working in business, I ran a manufacturing company, and uh, eventually, you know, we thought about leaving China, but eventually, like my job kind of wrapped up, but I stuck around and became a writer and comic, just kind of pursued interests. You know, I worked for Time Out. Uh, I wrote their back page column. I did that uh, inside job column where I tried people's job for the day, traveled around China. Oh, so. yeah. I was there. Now that I think about it, I was there the first time you did stand-up comedy, from what I, from what I know. Because you were, weren't you doing it as a I did it article? as a column, yeah. Yeah, you oh, did it. Like a dare. Yeah, it was <laughs> like, do stand-up comedy. How was it? How did it go? It, it went really well. Uh, initially, like, I had known Andy for a while. I met both Audrey and Andy uh, from Kung Fu Comedy. At a, I wrote a uh, one-act play that was in a festival. Uh, it was a comedy. did really well. And afterwards, they're like, it was funny. You should do stand-up. And I just had it in my back pocket for a while as a potential job. Other things canceled. I was like, I'm going to have to do that tonight in order to make deadlines. Fallback. Fallback plan. Fallback? Some people say law school is a fallback. <laughs> Stand-up comedy yeah. is a potential job. Yeah, yeah so I got up. It's I confidence. did it. Wait, I, did you propose the article to Time Out? It was Time Out Shanghai. Yeah. Right? Time Out Magazine Shanghai. Did you propose, like, hey, this will be a great... Because you were, as you said, you had that article or that column where you would go to a job for a day and then write about it right yeah i'd been doing it for a while already uh you know i was a uh i was a matchmaker i was a tailor i was a locksmith i was a i joined locks the locks i joined <laughs> very straight different jobs i one of those lion dance troops where you get in and you dance around <laughs> and performed at weddings you did that? yeah i did that I went to subway subway wow. driver. This sounds school. like a podcast. This sounds like you should have it. Yeah, this yeah, that like could be weekend. something else. But I, I went to yeah, I went to subway driver school. Like, spent a whole day Wait, going drive. and actually got to drive the train. The train. You yeah. can go to school and to drive the no, train. No, they shouldn't have let me drive the train. <laughs> it turns out uh, they actually let you drive it in Shanghai. Yeah, I always thought they were automatic. No, dangerous. They have drivers. Uh, it's the kind of thing where I don't think in America I would have gotten away with driving the train. Not only did they let me drive, but they let my kid drive. <laughs> was he really driving? How old was just... your kid at the time? Uh, he was maybe uh, 10. Yeah, that's no good. And it was a thing Teddy where, you know, Chinese people really love Western kids. I always treated my kids really well. Family trip. And so I would take my kid along to all these things because it would open doors. People would be really friendly, and they would give me access that they wouldn't normally. To see foreign kids. White kids? Whatever. Yeah, foreign kids. And my, my son spoke really great Chinese. So not only did he come along uh, to the school, and they had all these simulators where you could pretend drive a train and whatever. But then we got on the actual train. Uh, it wasn't with regular passengers, but it was like 60 other trainees. And uh, <laughs> they can die, who cares? They can die, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we got on. And my son actually, when he drove the train, uh, the guy giving him like, like instructing him, uh, kind of startled him or something. My son let go of like the handbrake, and everybody went forward, and like people fell down. It's and, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, Cap, you got to get Teddy, Teddy Kaplan out there. Uh, good. He's got to learn Mandarin, I guess, first, and then uh, I'll. Well, he already no. I don't think he has to learn Mandarin because his son was is, they born in China. Your kids are there. Uh, no, right before going over. Oh, okay. Yeah, but they both speak really good Chinese. They grew like they grew up speaking yeah, Chinese. Yeah, basically, basically. Like twelve years there. We, this is. Were you a matchmaker at the same time as you were a locksmith? I knew Cap was going to ask about the matchmaker because I was just thinking that's a great way to be a matchmaker is if you change the locks on people and they get locked out <laughs> while they're on a date. 
Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Extend the date, you know. <laughs> well, you know the Can't... locksmith one. Uh, that just sounded interesting to me. That was one where I actually felt like I learned something. Like I could pick basic locks now, two or three different kinds of locks. The matchmaking thing. I don't know that I really learned anything, like being there. You know, in People's Square, the center of Shanghai, they have this uh, marriage market. And Saturday, Sundays, people... <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. You know. Paul's just asking, like, acting like you know that. I know. Well, this is a marriage market. Yeah. I figure Turner knew that. It's like uh, going, I know that, but yeah, Cap wouldn't know. But yeah, it's like Portobello Market Road in London. Every Saturday, you come by and get fixed up. Yeah, well, you can explain it, Paul. Yeah, yeah it's usually... Grandparents. Um, yeah, it's grandparents and uh, parents, and they will... Uh, people actually post all the stats for their kid. <laughs> and Wait, those... there's one part you're leaving out, though. The kids don't know about this. They don't know. Cap, it would the be gr- like your mom and dad uh, <laughs> going out to... It would be doctor... This is so Jewish, I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Bob Kaplan going to Times Square, like Central Park, right. and then... Writing down all the statistics of your sister. Is it verified by somebody independent, or is like you can say whatever you want? <laughs> no, you can say whatever you want. Uh, and then try. It's like live Tinder, like <laughs> but run by grandparents. So your dad would be out there trying, like writing down your your sister's like height, um, degree, college degree. My sister is single, so this her salary. That's <laughs> why I pick her for example. Her whatever, like everything, right? Yeah. And then um, and then walk around and meet other grandparents who have sons and try to set them up on dates. Okay, so the sons are there. They're all and they're like, do they negotiate with each other? The sons they... wouldn't be there. Right, it's right. The, the grandparents. grandparents, not their parents. The, the grandparents, grandparents and parents. Parents yeah. and grandparents, depending upon how desperate. Whoever's the are. most like aggressive, best negotiator in the family. Oh okay. yeah. So what'd you do? Well, the the I was supposed to approach different people, get their stats, and whether they were interested in working with the service. But people were more interested as in me as a potential husband. Like they saw me there, and they're like, "But you know, are you spoken for?" <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, "I'm not available, but I'll listen." <laughs> you know, I I'm not going to say no to a really good deal. They're all yeah. great negotiators. Yeah, they're they promising sell. a certain amount of like. My daughter makes this amount of money. She owns her own car. We do, own an apartment. We come from this province. I'm like, yeah. I'm do listening. they guarantee like she'll put out or stuff like that? <laughs> <laughs> they don't. Do they but take you this? know what I found interesting? There's almost like no pictures. There's ever. no. Ba- yeah, almost this no is very old. Which is the only. That, isn't that like the, the number really one matters. criteria? Yeah. Not in China. Not in China. Which I don't mind. You know. Not with grandparents in China. I would still say with people. When they're dating a 20s yeah. and 30s, you still want to know what they look like. Chinese people would want to know what other Chinese people look like. I think, I all, yeah, they're different than us. I mean, no. you, did you ever do any sort of before you're single online dating or anything with a. I mean, there were, with no, no, no. I was like, I got. Um, Ye and I met and started dating like three months before Tinder came out, so I yeah. missed the whole thing. I was I went on J Date. I think my mom paid for it. She was like, <laughs> You're going J It's the the Jewish dating service for those who yeah. And uh, I went on it when it first and I I like met a there was like a girl and, and a picture it was like a face picture seemed nice. Her it said she was athletic build. That means we made plans for overweight. a date and then I was like on the subway <laughs> going to work in the morning and this girl looked so familiar to me. I just like looked at her like I knew her but I couldn't figure out why. I get to work and I have an email on my, and it's like from the girl I'm supposed to go out with. Like, hey, I think I might have seen you. You got a preview. She's like, I think I might have seen you on the subway. And I should say she was rather large. <laughs> so, no, no, you say very athletic. Though. Very athletic. She was athletic <laughs> the same way, like an offensive lineman. As, uh, like she the same old John Runyon was <laughs> like a great she athlete. She could do 500 pound squats. <laughs> yes. She could be, That's a complimentary way of saying yeah, it. Yeah, so I did. Then I, I thought about it. What's the honorable thing to do here? 
And I took my time. <laughs> I drank some coffee and I wrote an email like, no, I don't take that train in the morning. And then I canceled the date uh, separately, not in the same email. I canceled the date later. So, oh, so I didn't want to hurt her feelings. I didn't want to think she saw me. Yeah, that's good. But if I, she's so, listening, shout out. Shout out. Uh, maybe she's uh, gotten shaped. So what? So, okay. So Wait, you, did, I have one last question on this. Myrna Sparks, did she never get involved when she was visiting you? To, to, in the setup thing? Because she's like, that's like her. Oh, MO. she tried one time, <laughs> but it was like way, way off. And then at some point, like after, I was probably in my like mid late twenties. She was like, "I have a friend in Mexico, and they have a daughter." And I'm like, "I live in China, <laughs> and it's literally a world away." So, all right, no. so she should have gone to this market anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, any, okay, so before all of this, what I want to talk to you about specifically was you were uh, you were Mormon. Are you still Mormon? You're not Mormon. Not Mormon right? anymore. Not Mormon. You were you grew up Mormon. Grew up Mormon. Yeah. In where'd you grow up? I grew up in both uh, California and Utah, so in Saratoga, kind of the San Jose area until I was eight, and then in, through high school uh, in Sandy, Utah, just a uh, suburb of Salt Lake. Okay, so the I've Mecca. Got, I've got a lot of Mormons there, I've heard. Yeah, it's it's big with Mormons. <laughs> that's where they, that's their Israel or their Jerusalem, right? Yeah, it's, they water down all the beer. Well, I, I guess Jerusalem would be their Jerusalem because they do believe in God, don't they? They do believe in Jerusalem. <laughs> <laughs> the opening question is, they, do they believe in God? It's, I think they. No, do. I grew up with a bunch of Mormons. So you went on a mission. I did. Yeah. I knew Mormons all growing up, but then I feel like we just lost touch. Like when you grow up and then you go to college, and then you know it wasn't like best friends. So I didn't reconnect. My friends that did, I did reconnect with or did stay in touch with. Became, we're not Mormon anymore by the time I knew them. Yeah. I mean, by the time like we got out of college. So I want to talk about the missions. You went to Germany. Yeah, I was in Germany. Uh, yeah, Western. I was in Dusseldorf, Germany. It's kind of like uh, south, no, central west, west central uh, Germany. And is this right after school or is this? Yeah, immediately after high school. So after high school. Yeah, like two, three months after I was uh, just nineteen. You go when you're nineteen, right? Yeah, they they changed it recently. Like kids will go now. It used to be you leave at nineteen, but now it's like just immediately after high school. You just like go. didn't Sean Bradley do that? No, that makes more <laughs> sense because Sean Bradley yeah. went to college for one year, for one year and, yeah. and then had to quit basketball for two years. I I would say that derailed his career. Oh, he would have been. Yeah, he well, would have. He would have been shot. Any other scenario, he went to ended up in the seventy sixers. It would have been great. But. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, I, I think the age thing was. You know, aim towards having them be a little more mature when they went, but it also like you lose people to going to college. They it's leave impractical, and like, right? yeah. Right. You know, you go for a year. You got a lot of people just kind of like hanging out, like waiting to go and not doing anything for a year. A certain amount of those kids end up not going on a mission, right. or maybe not going back to. College. Well, if you go to college, you're like, why? No, I think they would go back to college. I think they were more worried about them not going on a mission. Yeah, because my friend, oh, De'Aaron Roots. He went to San Diego State for a year and then forget about it. You're not going on a mission after your year of partying with co-eds at San Diego State. You yeah, know? That'll, that'll destroy all They're religions. taking weekend trips down to TJ. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, a, a lot And of he it, didn't go. He ended up not going. Well, I mean, I think he was out probably anyway, but. Yeah, I think that's part of it. And I think a lot of the rules, like the programs in Mormonism are geared towards, I don't know if they consciously are this strategic about it, but it's geared towards keeping you in the system. You graduate high school and then you go on a mission in uh, you learn like a lot of leadership and being involved in the church. You learn a language. They encourage you to go to college. You might go to a church university. While there, you're meeting all other single people, kind of encouraged to get married. And then you get married. You have a kid immediately. And by the time you're like, maybe this isn't the right thing for me. It's too late. You're kind of stuck with <laughs> yeah. a kid, a school degree, an alumni association, and church responsibility, and a marriage, and whatever. And yeah, I think that's why, I mean, people still leave, but... 
it increases the rate of people staying. It's a good way to keep you in. So what did you, when you went, you went right out of high school yeah. to Germany. Did you know? Did you go with anyone you know, or is it like do you, like you just go by yourself and you meet people when you get there? Yeah, didn't know anybody. Uh, the way the the church works, you uh, say that you are interested in going. You have to pass like some interviews. Uh, you say that if you had any language experience or connection to an area, but they pick. They don't give you. Did you uh, have a choice? Like Germany, your first choice, or was it? Like I, I did want to go to Germany. I, I studied German uh, in school. And uh, Germany is actually one of the much more difficult missions. I didn't really know that at the time, but it is a cool place to live. Uh, a lot of people where the church was growing very quickly is in uh, South America and Africa. Uh, a lot of people interested there. Germany, not so much. Uh, it's easier missionary work. To Wait, why are they not interested? Uh, well, there tends to be uh, a correlation between the more educated and the wealthier you, you are, the less interested you are in religion. Uh, I won't say that, yeah, there, and it's also a cultural thing, like Germans are not that friendly as far as like sharing their church and other things with people. Like, so people in South America, they have more a sense of community, really connected to their families, big families. So if one person joins, it means like 15 people are going to join. 15 mm -hmm. for the price of one. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah, so anybody I... Anybody starting any sort of cult or anything. <laughs> any South sort America, of cult. It's not a cult, No, I just, I just mean in general, if you want to sell something. Oh, no, yeah, right. South America is way better than Germany. Yeah, you're Germans right. are. No, Mormonism works well there as well as multi-level marketing. Yeah, multi-level No, because Dirk Nowitzki is like MVP. So if you want to sell oils, go to South America. <laughs> yeah. They didn't even get into basketball, and Dirk Nowitzki is like the best player in the NBA. Yeah. yeah they like, barely pay attention because they never cared before. Yeah. So they're not going to care about Mormons, right? <laughs> I guess not. Like <laughs> Davis, but I agree. So, so yeah, you get a call, uh, you say you're told to show up at a certain date at uh, the Missionary Training Center, uh, where there's like a two-month intensive language training, okay, and also like doctrine training of what you're going to be teaching, uh, and that's part like what the specific doctrines of the church are, as well as like kind of, I would say, kind of marketing or demographic training, like salesmanship and how to get along with people, meet people. Oh, that's interesting. What do they teach you? How to, like, what sales techniques do they teach? Uh, well, a lot of it is, um, you know, basic stuff about uh, meeting people, but the most effective ways of, like, where you're probably going to find people who are going to be interested in religion. Uh, they'll give, like, basic tips where it's, like, Generally, when people get to be adults, uh, they're, you know, your thinking is pretty fixed uh, after a certain age. Uh, and as you get older, the most likely time for you to change and find like a religious experience is going to be through some sort of traumatic or life-altering experience. Wow. This is so cutthroat. <laughs> no, so you go to like divorce attorneys and teach that. Workers. Nobody said that. Hack but into their client list. That's me adding my interpretation. But oh, basically okay. they will say the people most likely to change religions uh, who are going to be interested are somebody who has recently gotten married had a child, had a death in the family, changed jobs, or moved to a new city. And in each one of those things... Drug addicts, I think, are good. Uh, drug addicts, yeah, not as... <laughs> Prisoners. They tend to be... <laughs> no, they all find like the nation of Islam. That's true. Yeah. No, They'll is... do push-ups push and get a Bible. And then they... <laughs> yeah. No, that's a good point with prisoners, actually. Um... You know, I love Kurt Vonnegut. German prisoners. Kurt Vonnegut used to say, uh, I don't think he was religious at all. He was probably an atheist. But uh, prisoners would write to him all the time and say, you know, what should I do with my life? What should I do when I get out? And he would always tell people, join a church. Yeah. 
And uh, even if you are not that religious, I mean, there's something about there. It's an automatic community where people are generally interested in you and are going to help you out, especially drug addicts, prisoners, people getting their life back on track. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of positives. I mean, it's there. a pretty good path. Like it's like here's a set of here's a set of guidelines or whatever. Yeah, and here's a bunch of people who are going to help you. Yeah, and it's we, free. We've got to get like a church just to get into the podcast because then if one person likes it. I'm working like on it. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting my uh, people in Brooklyn. Yeah. Well, yeah, go. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, okay, what's it like, like your first day? What is it like? You just aimlessly walk through neighborhoods and knock on doors, or like you ride around on the bikes, or like with a suit, or what do you do? Uh, like, how does it start? How do you just like hit the ground? After the language training <laughs> two months, you show up and you're assigned to a companion, uh, somebody who's already been there, and he trains you. Uh, and. Basically, your day is pretty regimented. You wake up, uh, uh, I think it was 6.30. You wake up at 6.30 and you do, you study the language, you study uh, the doctrine, you, um, you might do some exercise, you do some other things and planning for the day. And then the rest of the day is going out looking for people or teaching. It's a combination of it might be knocking on doors, getting referrals from, you know, uh, there are a lot of Mormon uh, visitor centers around the world. Like if you go to Temple Square in Salt Lake, people will fill out like a referral that they'd be interested in learning more. Uh, a lot of Germans go to Utah. Uh, it's really big, especially mm -hmm. southern Utah. And But they end up at a tourism center and they fill out a referral and we show up and we would teach them. Um, so you get a list of leads, basically. Yeah. Like, yeah. You get the Glengarry leads? <laughs> <laughs> I need the Temple Squared leads. Yes. They're holding back on me. Yeah. So you get. Or so you just look for people who look lost and need yeah. direction in life, and you're like, that person, look in the eye. I know it. So the, the Temple sends you leads, and so, like, they'll give you leads in your, your neighborhood or your city, or yeah. how does that work? Yeah, they would give leads that would come back to, like, our address, and it would be, uh, yeah, we would show up and either on the door, or we would, if there's a phone number, we would call. Um, yeah, we'd, we'd get leads. A lot of uh, members would maybe recommend a friend uh, who is interested in learning more. Uh, so it would be a combination of that, but we would also spend a lot of time doing service work. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, a certain amount of time we'd either be teaching English to migrants or helping like asylum seekers with paperwork, uh, cleaning up. I remember uh, working at a homeless shelter for a long time, cleaning up uh, graffiti, you know, just general Wow. Service stuff, and um, how do Europeans take in general do, like to a religion that began in America? I feel like they they are they more hostile to it, or they're just like like I'm just curious like German how German like yeah they I was, how are you received yeah like I understand how Germans like the idea well, of Mormonism moving over to Europe I find was there already a church in your neighborhood when you got there or were you guys starting from scratch yeah there was already a church uh, there are places in the world where missionaries show up and there's no church like they're establishing. Uh, you know, foundation to build a church or to get, like, rent a space. Uh, but in Germany, the church had a long history. Uh, it's not really that strong compared to other places. Like, Germans in general are not very religious. Uh, they don't, you know, people are brought up with either, you know, they're either Catholic or Protestant and uh, are brought up in, like, uh, whatever church you were when you were a kid. But they're not religious. They'll go on Easter and Christmas. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of, yeah, nobody's that religious. I would say actually the most success, uh, was typically with migrants. There was a lot of, you know, Germany had a big population of, 
Kazakhstani people. These were ethnically Germ ethnic Germans who'd been carried off by the Russians after the war, and they were now being brought back, like they were allowed to come back to Germany. And they only spoke really Russian, didn't speak much German, but they were very welcoming people. They would always open the door, and even if they weren't interested, you know, they'd offer us tea and we'd visit and you'd hear their story, always very interesting. So I spent a lot of time with Kazakhstanis, spent a lot of time, there's a very big Turkish population. I uh, spent a lot of time with uh, African migrants, asylum seekers, uh, in particular Ghana, Nigeria, and usually had just harrowing stories of, you know, they were seeking asylum because they were fleeing some sort of political thing where their dad had been killed by the neighboring party and they had to flee the village. Uh, and then a lot of Middle Eastern, you know, a lot of Iraqis, a lot of Iran uh, Iranians, and all had really What year was this when you were there? 97 and 99. Oh, 97 Now, the missionaries, it probably teach you, you don't call or refer to their countries as shitholes or anything, right? It's not. <laughs> or do you get to, like, lower their... Like I'm trying to. Oh, to nag them? <laughs> yeah, no. I don't know. I think we would. Yeah, the the German would be Drecklock. Oh, okay, um, I actually heard I was listening to German news the other day, and they described they were telling the story of Trump calling the shitholes as Drechhole. Really? I, I think that's what they they said. Yeah, or Drech. I learned some German. So you still speak German? Yeah, yeah. I still go to a fair amount of. Uh, just Friday, I went to a board game night in German. Whoa! Wow. It's actually more fun, like to practice where you're doing an activity, like going and playing. Uh, though it's tough to have somebody explain the rules to settlers of Catan in uh, in German. <laughs> in German? Yeah. So, um, who did you convert anybody specifically? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, probably. Does that feel really good? Because, like, how? What percentage of it is just like negative reactions versus positive to you? Like, is it just like... It's probably like anything selling, right? We were just Do you like, just get you really down? It, it's overwhelmingly negative. Yeah. And um, I would say for suck. me... I'm pretty hostile to people who try to talk to me in the street. I know. I don't, that's why I would never <laughs> be a good salesman, because whenever I... Or no, when I try to like... If I really if I like really have something that I'm trying to sell that I believe in, and people just like blow me off, I just get pissed at them. I'm like, you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot of missionaries took it hard. It was tough for them. And it's tough as well. Maybe you'd be different if you came to it a little when you were a little older, but to be just right out of high school, you're like 19. I can't imagine this generation, like no, they can't millennials, no. who they're told yes on everything, right. and then all of a sudden they go, it's probably they good probably for pay them. off people to say pretend who are already in the church. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Pretend converts. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. You were saying. Well, no, it is, uh, I think, very isolating to go and to have, you know, especially when you meet people your own age, and you're very, you seem very uncool. You know, you're wearing these suits, and you're talking to them about religion, you got all these rules of stuff that you can't do. Even when people are nice to you and not interested in religion but invite you to something, you know, you usually can't. Um, so I think a lot of missionaries took it hard. For some reason, um, I didn't mind it. Uh, I think there's something about speaking a foreign language that for me you kind of like escape into a different personality. Like I didn't take it seriously. You know, you're meeting Germans that you're never going to see again. You're speaking. It's like just practicing the language was fun. And so even if you go out every day and people are saying no or just, you know, you're having discussions with people, uh, you're still, you know, learning the language. It was actually, and if you've ever studied another language, like studying Chinese, it was really hard to find opportunities to practice. But in German, like, I'd be out 12 hours a day. You have to. And got really good really quickly, yeah. Did it ever get um, aggressive? You ever feel in danger? Yeah. Really? Yeah. What happened? 
Well, I've I've had you know people. Germany has a very um, liberal welfare system, and because of that, they bunch of um, <laughs> we're all middle, so they <laughs> we feel your pain. There are a lot of very <laughs> crazy people on the street, people who don't have to work, and people who are just in the downtown area. Oh. And so, if you're out there, like. You just interact. You see the same people all the time. Because as a missionary, you're out all the time, and you see the same kind of crazy people. And over time, yeah, there'd be people in a city who just didn't like you, and they would aggressively, you know, cause problems for you. But yeah, I've had somebody pull a gun on me before. Really? Which no, they didn't pull a gun. They pulled up a shirt to show that they had a gun. And uh, I'll count that. Yeah, Yeah, I thought they didn't have guns. That counts as pulling a gun. If you yeah, I wondered about that as well. I don't know where he got a gun in Germany. But he pulled a gun because of you were. He didn't want you to talk to him about. Yeah, about the Church of (laughs) Latter Day Saints. Saints. We'd only been talking like ten seconds, and he's like, you know, I don't want to hear it. I mean it, and he, yeah, he wasn't. Yeah, I, I don't understand people who get who like. They almost feel like proud that they're so mean to like Jehovah Witnesses or whoever. Like you can just say no and keep going with your life, you know? Yeah. Or like take it. You can take if someone's like, "Here's a thing." Like I a, take things for like just, any sort of like j- like thing when you go off the subway. Any flyer anyone's handing me, if it's cold out, I feel bad. I take it now. I know. Well, but if they try to talking to me, I can get. Pretty. If they come to your door, I mean, every once in a while we would have Jehovah Witnesses when I was a kid come to our house, and uh, you just, whatever you just like, yeah, thank you, have a, have a good day, yeah, and you keep going. Like I don't know what it is, and like yeah, some but that's because you're like uh, you're the majority, so. Jews get hostile. <laughs> oh, Jews get. I don't understand the idea of getting hot. Like, go. Like, and then people will brag about it later. They're like, I told this Jehovah Witness guy to go fuck himself. Right. Like, yeah. Why is that a positive? <laughs> I don't see. They're not doing anything. They're not trying to harm you. They literally, whatever they believe, they think they're like helping you. So, like, okay, cool. Thanks. And, right. I don't know. Like, uh, yeah. I'm very nice. We have, I've talked about on the podcast, we have this church in our neighborhood now that's like very like passively like trying to take over. Oh, okay. They like clean. They like do, like our neighbors. There's no they clean yeah. the neighborhood. They, they run terrible. They do all these terrible things like cleaning. They do the all these great things. So I'm really <laughs> nice to them actually. And I don't. And uh, I was gonna bring. Maybe I'll bring this up right now because maybe you can help me. What do I do? I just got an email. I'm on their email list, and they want. They have a little league baseball. Oh, is this a trap? Like, if I sign Teddy, <laughs> up, am I joining this church? Like by the end of the season, they're running a little league baseball league. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean that <laughs> is a way to to gain members. I mean. There, there are things where... <laughs> there you go, but he'll be a killer baseball player. It'd be good for the pot if I join a church in the middle of the... Sandy Kovacs. Like as a kid, like uh, in Mormonism, like we would play church basketball and we would invite friends who weren't Mormons. Uh, and we honestly, we didn't need them. Uh, but also, <laughs> it was a way to get people... You know, to to get church. them in? Yeah, we Wait, had did... church dances. We had church sports. We had like sometimes uh, we were all in the Boy Scouts. Uh, and yeah, you'd be occasional, you know, people who weren't members would come. Yeah, you reel them in. Can I ask a question? Why do uh, this is a specific Mormon question? But uh, why do Mormon churches always have carpeted basketball courts? <laughs> Wait, what? They do? Yeah, every basketball court is carpet. How do you play basketball on a carpet? Because it bounces. Oh, it's like, it's a, like this really bounce. thick, uh, short carpet yeah. that you can bounce. Is that the case also in Utah or just California Mormons? Uh, <laughs> California Mormons play basketball, and I feel like it hurt them. When they went to go play high school basketball, because yeah. they weren't used to wood, and they all they couldn't make the team. I wonder why Sean Bradley could not stay healthy in the <laughs> NBA. They're different sized churches. Rugburn. So there are a bunch of, uh, you know, like the smaller churches, uh, but then there'll be all of those are under like a stake center. 
And the stake center usually has a wooden court, and it's usually really nice. It has a wooden court with the glass backboards, and it has like usually electronic scoreboard. But then the regional, like the smaller churches, they have the carpet. And you know, it's not a full court either. It's a little bit shorter than the regulation size, and it's got carpet. And I think that's mostly because it doubles most of the time as something else. Uh, you know, it's only used for basketball every once in a while. Uh, I always assumed it was like a basketball thing. <laughs> like it was some way better no. training technique or something. Thought of it. No, they use it for overflow for the rest of the, like the main chapel. They have meetings in there. It's, you know, where all the, you know, the women's activities will usually set up tables in there. It's where they have dinners. No, they just have a healthy lifestyle. That's the training activity. I, here's another yeah. thing I would tell you that whenever I go home, all, whenever you see more, like Mormons I grew up with, yeah. they all are like, they look like the the dudes are like super handsome. The women are beautiful because they've never drinking yeah. alcohol or smoked yeah. a cigarette in I w- their life. I went to um, uh, Sundance, the film festival, once for in Utah. Yeah, and it's fascinating the juxtaposition because it's like all the bouncers outside. It's like they br- they br- they have these nightclubs open for like the week, and all the bouncers and like people running the doors are like douchebags from L.A. and New York. Yeah, and it's just that, and then you walk in and it's all these like the, the locally hired like bartenders. Yeah, and they're all blonde and like they all look so young. But they're not that young. They just, they actually, this is what happens when you have a clean lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. It's like, people and they're generally, so nice. Yeah, there's a wholesome lifestyle. People uh, people don't drink or smoke. And uh, yeah, if you go to BYU, like everybody is just kind of clean cut and uh, healthy. So you couldn't drink in, you didn't drink in Germany then? Didn't drink, didn't smoke. Oh, yeah. What were the rules? I had someone, my friend's little brother told me that you cannot swim in bodies of water. Is that true? I didn't, what else do you swim in? So just, as a missionary, you have stricter rules than the rest of the church has. But, uh, yeah, during your mission, you can't go swimming. That's, uh, but it's also <laughs> partly, I mean, as a missionary, you're not allowed to date. You're not allowed to smoke. You're, not al- you're, you're never allowed to smoke or drink. But you can't watch any movies. You can't watch TV. You can't listen to music. Uh, it's Podcast. basically like this cloister experience. <laughs> you can't contact your family. You can only write letters. You can talk to them on the phone on Christmas and Mother's Day. That's what? it. What? Mother's Day? Yeah. What about Father's Day? Not Father's Whoa. Day. Whoa! That's sexist. Whoa, me too. <laughs> what about their birthday? Uh, nope. No. Oh. Wait, what, what, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> okay, so wait, why the can't talk your, can't contact your family? Is that like a, um, to try to indoctrinate you even, or what's even no, more? No, I, I think it was just to keep, keep you, you uh, to keep you focused. Uh, it's changed now where with technology, like uh, email wasn't really in common use when I went. Like now I've got nephew, a nephew who's in Mexico and he sends an email every week. Like, I think he has access not constantly to the internet, but he has like once a week he'll exchange emails with everybody. Uh, shout out if he's listening to the pod. Yeah. I've have to have a follow up with him one day. <laughs> has the bo- has, yeah, has the Book of Mormon caught up with podcasting for the rules? Yeah, the pod- yeah, what's the podcast rule? Or Ensing. Yeah. Ensing. <laughs> I doubt yeah, I doubt you're able to use uh a podcast. Probably can't answer. No. So, the, yeah, there's no podcasts, no music. I like no, that podcast. Um, and to be honest. No music. No music. And this is all, you think it's all to keep you focused or are there specific reasons? I think it's that? to keep you focused and uh, it was effective. It really, I would say, um, you know, you wouldn't choose it, but at the same time, once you go through something that's kind of like an intense focus experience. I, I remember people talking to a guy who lived uh, in, who was Russian and he talked about have it serving like a two-year, like everybody being conscripted into the army and having to serve for two years. And our experience was similar in a lot of ways where he would say it was really hard. You weren't allowed to do all these things you wanted to do. 
but you formed these really intense connections with everybody that you were out there with. You were able to really clear your head from distraction, decide what you wanted to do with the rest of your life. And I do think of it in terms of, uh, yeah, I w wasn't allowed to do all these things, but it was the first time I like intensely studied something, like I learned the language really well. Um, and I also found, um, yeah, kind of direction more with what I want to do with the rest of my life. Uh, you form such intense connections with the other missionaries that are out there kind of going through the same experience. And, uh, yeah, I, I, there aren't that many opportunities. You know, now people are so distracted and overwhelmed with music and television and devices that they pay a ton of money to go to India for a month <laughs> and You're not right. have any of those distractions. You I mean, more, you could just do it. You could be, do that for it. You come to Mormonism. Just become yeah. a missionary. Yeah. I mean, how much would you give to not have to reply to any emails or talk to your family for like even a month? I mean, it'd be great. I don't think my wife would be happy about it, <laughs> but, uh, or my, or my parents, but you're right. Like it's uh yeah, to be able to completely focus. Did you find you were like super productive? I feel like you could write a book or two during that time. So productive, like so efficient. It's like going to prison, sort of. Time, yeah, except with less sex. All the. <laughs> I imagine. Ding ding ding, Kaplan. Right. <laughs> Otherwise, similar to prison. I mean, you do have a, a male companion. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Oh yeah. See, there you go. Nothing goes on That's there. That's not illegal. Probably. Yeah, you can shower with more. Freedom. You can't swim. Yeah. Wait, why can't sing in the shower? Is why can't music? you swim? The swimming thing. Yeah. I I think that. You, it seems more than it really is there. It's just basically, if you swim and you're at a swimsuit and like at the beach or something, it's what would be the reason for that? You're mostly, you're working all of the time. You're not doing anything socially. So to go to a beach is just one of those things that kind of seems like a temptation. You're there, women are in swimsuits. You're, uh, you're not allowed to What if you're trying them. to convert or talk to them? Uh, the that would be a nice cover. That's yeah. true. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I would say. That would be my move. No, <laughs> I was in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> guys, I was at Chili Willie's trying to convert a these. Great chicks. book to read on the beach is. <laughs> yeah, it is. the Book of Mormon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They. Uh, I don't think there was much to that, but um, the swimming part. Yeah, it didn't come up that often. I was in Germany. It wasn't like there were <coughs> beaches everywhere. Yeah. So are you still in touch with the people you were on the mission with? Uh, not that much. Um, I would have been more, you know, I left like, uh, mid to late twenties. Uh, I eventually left and, you know, you don't have as much in common. Uh, I, I really still love those people and, um, you know, have a great connection with them. But at the same time, people in Mormonism, like once you leave, there is, uh, a lot of focus on trying to bring you back. So it's pretty hard to have, it's difficult to have a relationship with people so who are kind of looking do. for an in to bring you back and to constantly... Feels like there might be an ulterior motive yeah. to inviting you to the yeah the basketball game. Well, yeah, and there, there's the also, dance. like, I know the psychology of uh, Mormons. And there is something a little negative in the idea that, just like I said about, like, looking for people, like, people will change their lives when something big has happened. Like, if you catch up with somebody and uh, they know that you're not active, uh, that you're no longer in Mormonism, they are, they won't admit this, but they're kind of looking for bad things to happen to you to bring, <laughs> to bring you back to Mormonism. Right. And it's this popular idea that if you have left, that you will have a, something will humble you. Nobody could be happy outside of Mormonism. And so people, even family, are really, like, looking for these windows of bad luck or misfortune to befall you so they can 
find a window to bring you back, you know? So it is, it's hard to be friends with people who want wishing, your life to go poorly. <laughs> wishing you ill so you will. can't cross the yeah. road with them, I mean. Yeah, I know. So when did you leave the church then? Was it right? Uh, it was shortly after moving to China. It was oh, like a couple China of years in. Yeah. Did you did they had did you go to a Mormon church in China? Or can you even talk about that? Yeah, I went to a Mormon church there. That was um That's illegal, right? Uh not it's not illegal. It's one of those things in China that falls in a gray area that they know it goes on, but uh you know, Mormonism and Western religions can be are generally influential where they can go in and find loopholes where the government will allow you to do it. So you can not have a church, uh, but you can meet in a member's home. So the church just basically bought a huge building, had a member stay in the top floor of the building, and then it turns into a church you know, Smart. at night and on, on the weekends, and it falls within the rules, and the government knows that it's happening. Uh, we were pretty strict about uh, when Chinese people show up, like the, you can't you have to have a foreign passport to attend. Yeah, that's um, a Chinese government rule. Yeah, there was a Chinese, uh, there was a Chinese church as well. A lot of Chinese Taiwanese people, and occasionally, if somebody like a Chinese citizen leaves, studies in America, and joins Mormonism and comes back, they could attend the Chinese church there. Uh, but there's no proselyting at all. Like nobody could show up and be just a Chinese person without a foreign passport and yeah. go where everybody gets in trouble. So would you, ultimately, was it a good experience, the mission? Yeah. Even though you're not connected to the church anymore, would you still, like, your kids, or uh, would you recommend people doing this? Well, it's, you know, in, in hindsight, I wouldn't recommend necessarily somebody who hasn't done it, but I don't have any regrets in doing it. Got it. Uh, and it's, it's one of those things where I think everybody looks back at childhood and can find grievances and say... You know, I wish I hadn't done this or that, but you know, I left and it wasn't for me. Uh, but at the same time, I'm like I had graduated, I went to BYU as well. By the time I had left, there's such a focus on responsibility and training people for leadership that all growing up, like I was in, you know, I ran all sorts of different youth organizations and got all this leadership and management experience really. And uh, went to, later on, I went to German University uh, after, you know, uh, doing my bachelor's. And I, I feel like I got a lot out of it as far as the language, as far as like a career path, as far as uh, by the time I'd left, um, you know, I had a pretty good career. And uh, yeah, it didn't, if I look back at it and said, I wish I hadn't, you know, had done something else, I, I don't know where I would have been. Yeah. It's a very impressive thing for the resume if I saw met someone who, can go two years without doing any of those things. I feel like they should publicize more. <laughs> yeah. that did Mitt Romney whole... do that? Did he, I don't he, know. He did. Mitt Romney was in France. He did a mission. I, so, I mean, that's very now. impressive. Like, could Donald Trump go one day? No, <laughs> I mean, absolutely not. We, we're we people. I think they're probably wishing bad things amongst upon him. They might join to the help church. Him become a Mormon. <laughs> I mean, yeah. well, Mormons are very like. If you look at different careers, uh, pretty high achievers in business yeah. and government. Because there's no temptation. I mean, it's temptation, but you don't give into it. Uh, yeah, and you, it's kind like of... booze isn't setting anybody back, right? I, I think that's part of it. I think, um, hmm. yeah, it... Uh, You've got to join. Moving the family to, yeah. <laughs> no. These kids are... Like yeah, a, they can't not use the iPad for like one day. They can't go that <laughs> like Send your five-year-old on a mission. He was playing Sonic the Hedgehog all morning. Anyway. <laughs> well, I did, um, like at BYU, I did, uh, you know, I was in the business management and finance program. And it was like a heavily recruited program. All the, you know, big five accounting firms and finance firms came... 
And the thing is, you've got a bunch of young people who spent two years as missionaries, and you, it's not just the prosel, like teaching people, but you manage a budget, you're in charge of like, you do your own visas, you do like, uh, you're in leadership positions where like I was eventually responsible for like 150, 200 missionaries, and there's a budget, there's a fleet of cars, there's a fleet of apartments that uh, you're responsible for maintaining, like the missionaries do all of it. And then you get back and you've had this incredible management experience and uh, then... But you don't know who, like, Green Day is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it turns out that employers are way more interested in the management part than your ability to quote pop culture. Like, Did you? Were you, like, completely lost in America when you came back? Because yeah. you hadn't got anything for two years. You know what? We, I was, but that was actually really fun as well. Because you come back, and in generally, I think most movies are kind of shitty. Uh, but when you haven't seen any movies for two years, then it piles up like a lot of movies to go see, like all these award winner movies. And it's like, I haven't seen Saving Private Ryan. I haven't seen Titanic. I haven't seen <laughs> like everybody was I so excited to get out of seeing that movie. About <laughs> yeah. People were so crazy about Titanic when I was over there. And I'm like, what's the big deal? Yeah, yeah, it got really big. It was huge in China. Remember all the kids? I taught English the first year I was there. All the kids were named either Jack or Rose. Amazing. <laughs> all the Chinese kids named themselves That's that. That's true. I did meet a lot of Jacks. Yeah. Is uh, Jimmer? Jimmer's Mormon, right? Oh, he's big time Mormon. So is that going to lead to a Chinese explosion of Mormonism? Because he's like the greatest basketball player over there now. That's true. And he's he going to be, be the biggest uh, converter of all time. I do remember my... Um, my nephew just got a like Jimmer Fredette in Chinese, like his Chinese jersey. Like I almost I bought it. This side. Maybe yeah. I'll buy it this year. You this want could, one? Yeah. I'm gonna go to a game next month. <laughs> Do I want a, I, I should mean, get his Jimmer jersey. That should be the official jersey of the pod. Yeah, it should be. <laughs> We're big Jimmer fans. I mean, yeah, we are. I might convert. He's, teach me how to Jimmer. If he keeps scoring fifty point games. I know. Yeah. High. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go uh, on this trip. Uh, I'm gonna be in in Shanghai. I'll get I'll get you some Jimmer jerseys. Nice. We'll get <laughs> Jimmer jerseys. He's coming back. Cool, Paul. Well, we have uh, I have a million more questions to ask you, but we got to get to the news. We got to keep this train moving. All right. So, um, you stick are... you have sticking around for a minute. Yeah. We'll sure. Do the news. All right. Play the music. Play the music. With the news, before the news, I thought of more questions uh, while we were just away. For so we, well, we didn't get to what is it? So when you actually do convert someone, or you bring someone into more. What, what is it called? Converting them, or what do you call it? Yeah, conversion. Yeah. How does that feel after all that negative, like feedback? Does it just feel like amazing? Yeah, the it it feels validating. I I think it's the. You know, for people to join and to say that their lives have changed or that they found a community to be. And I think in particular in Germany, people are it just generally not that friendly. Not the way that, you know, uh, Americans are just so friendly. Particularly, I grew up in the West where everybody knows their neighbor. Somebody new moves in and you take them a casserole. Uh, or offer to watch their kids or whatever. People are just friendly. You wave at people you don't know as you're driving past. And in Germany, I would meet people all the time where I would say, um, like, your people didn't know their neighbors. They would have lived in the same apartment for, like, 30 years and not 
know the neighbor who lived directly across from them for 30 years. That's probably, that's like New York, right? Yeah, I mean, if someone brought a casserole over, I would, Although I I do would know throw it out. I wouldn't trust it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so for me, outside of the whole religious element, I, I did like people were really... I think their lives changed from finding a community of friendly people. Oh, they, that's interesting. They yeah. came and, you know, they came to church and whether, you know, I think some people joined because they really, they believed the message and they found something there. But I think also people joined because they went somewhere where everybody smiled and was happy to see them and invited them to activities and helped them when they moved and watched their kids and were generally, you know, interested uh, in their well-being. And people got a lot out of that. And to see, you know, people would express that, that they'd found a new community, a family, um, that it was positive for them. And then what do you, what's the step? Like once they say like, okay, I'm in, like you got me, whatever. What do you like then baptize them or what happens? Yeah. Um, you did? You did? Uh, yeah, somebody would. Amazing. So is it different than a, like, what, I don't know. Is it like baptism? you Going underwater or something? Yeah. Uh, well, at the churches yes. I grew up in, which is like mainline Protestant churches, Methodist, Presbyterian, you just like take a little water out of like a cup and like sprinkle it on the head. But it's oh. usually a baby. Right. But I'm, I'm. But I've also seen. Do you like dunk them? D- the dunk underwater. Sometimes thing. they dunk them in a river. They dunk them. Yeah. But, um, yeah. In Mormonism, uh, there is usually. Yeah, you are baptized. Like you have to go completely under the water, not just the the sprinkling. And people also, if they came from another church, they'd be like, "Oh, I've been baptized already." But in Mormonism, it's like you specifically have to be baptized into Mormonism. Yeah. yeah. So uh, there your, are your baptism didn't count. It's a new ball game. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> you got to full, full underwater before <laughs> yeah. somebody can join. Uh, they've changed it since, but at the time uh, I was a missionary, we had six specific. We call them discussions. And you go through each of those discussions, and we answer their questions and whether they believe and understand, accept these things. It was partly about them, then reading the Book of Mormon, uh, and establishing steps towards like all six. Like, what are the base? What's the church about? What does it believe? And then also committing them to like, if you join, there are going to be some things that are going to be difficult. It means you got to give up smoking. You got to give up drinking. Um, you. Mormons don't have sex before marriage. That was a tough one, especially for someone who, you know, people who you might be already having sex with a in a relationship. Kazakhstanis. (laughs) Well, that was complicated because you could meet people who were like a couple living together, but they weren't married. And so you're like, this is going to be complicated. Yeah, this could be an issue. (laughs) So if they accept all those things, uh, then you commit them to being baptized, and uh, yeah, then then. Yeah, the process is pretty simple after that. Every religion, they all agree on no sex before marriage. It's like the one thing every religion agrees on, right? Is there one religion that doesn't into that? I think, well, no, what was the one in Waco, Texas? <laughs> David Koresh? <laughs> he was very well, pro. Sex with him. He could, yeah, sex with him before marriage was fine. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you're right. You got to get married. I don't, okay, should we get to the news? <laughs> yes. Uh, weird That's the uh, good place to end. All right, so here's what I did for the news. I looked up, these are, um, Weird facts about Germany. I want to see if they're actually true. So there's a little bit in different news. These aren't like news stories. These are just facts about Germany. Okay, facts about Germany. All right. The first one. (laughs) I feel like both of you might have an opinion on this because you both had kids. Um, The Schulututut. What's that? How do you say that word? (laughs) Schulututa. The Schul. I wasn't too far off, Cap. The Schulututa is a tradition that dates back to the 1800s. And gives where you give toys, you give kids toys when they enter school to celebrate the seriousness of life. (laughs) 
They give the kids, um, these days, it's not unlikely for kids to get video games and cell phones Whoa. into these cones. They make a cone, right, out of like paper mache. Yeah, it looks like it looks like a funnel and it's got <laughs> a, you just put stuff in and it's got a like little tissue thing at the top to you know, give it to kids in. every time they start no, school. No, I don't year, think it, I think it's just your very first kindergarten. Year. Yeah, or first grade, whatever. The beginning, like your first year of school, so the kid isn't sad that he well, has, he has a serious life now where he's got to be painting and everything in I'm, kindergarten, it, eating clay. Yeah. You know, I'm going to talk about this at some point of all the books that Teddy's been reading my son. Yeah. He takes him out of the kindergarten. And one of the books he brought home was a, a book about Germany. Okay. Which I, uh and I though his big takeaway from this book about Germany was that kids in Germany go to school 6 days a week. Uh, they do? I don't think that's... Okay, well, the book, is, <laughs> the book was written in, like, 1994. So <laughs> Teddy's but, funny because he'll read, like, a whole book and just pull one fact. So he... Br- yeah, and he brings it up all the time. Like, he's like, what's today? I'm like, it's Saturday. And he starts laughing. Yeah, Germany, they're in school today. <laughs> in Germany, I don't want to ever move to Germany. I don't want to go to school. But if I tell him you get video games... Yeah, and, uh, you get, else? like, a paper mache cone full of video games and cell phones. I mean, it's like a marshmallow test. Would you trade, like, all right, I'm going to give you these video games today, but now you're signing up for six days of school this week. I don't know. And candy, I think. Think. Yeah. I think he would take it short term. Kids, I don't yeah. know about Teddy, but kids tr- seem they, to like whatever saying. they get in the short term. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But you're yeah. saying that's over now. Oh, I, I don't recall if that, that must have been a really long time ago. Because Germans are actually really the most efficient of any place I've lived. Like they take a lot of holidays and they take, they're not big on this idea like Americans where it's like I prove myself by working 10, 11, 12 hours. Right. They're really big on like people come in, you do your work, and then you leave. And they they get it done. They don't put in like lots of extra hours. That's why kindergarten's so serious for these right. kids. They're efficient. They go the in. Seriousness. They learn when you need to learn. <laughs> yeah. You learn your arithmetic and get home. They eat crayons and they go home. The kids just dismiss themselves. Like I learned enough today. I'm out. <laughs> I, I remember I did. Uh, I was working at the embassy in Berlin, and I was trying to make like a good impression. I showed up like half an hour before everyone. Like half an hour afterwards. Oh yeah. And after like Gym two rat. three months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's after two American three thing. months, someone was like, "Why can't?" Can't you get your work done in the allotted time? Oh, really? That's why they don't like jerk. He works too much on his. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're just efficient. They sit down. They're just. There's a really great work-life balance there, where everybody just spends time outdoors. They have like a healthy lunch. They outdoors. sit down at work, and nobody makes chit chat around the water cooler at all. They show up. They do their. Oh my work, god! And I they got, leave. All my best bits are tested out of the water cooler. I know. How I couldn't do, know? do this podcast if I didn't test things out of the water cooler at work. How do they know what happened in the game? Yeah. But, that, but that's interesting. Well, it's very like the tech world. I think is kind of moving that way in America, where like. You kind of set your own hours. You set. You take vacation when you want. You yeah, take sick. Like that's what they're doing. But it's they more also modern... they have like gourmet lunches catered, and they like take a slide to right. work. But it's a more of like a modern way. Of, it's I didn't realize it was German. Like, oh yeah. Because like the older, like more corporate places in America are still like you got to be in at eight a.m. or nine a.m. Whatever your time is, and it's not it supposed matter. to be fun. Yeah, yeah, you sit in your cubicle. Yeah, pound it out. Yeah, but it mostly shows like studies will show like uh, you. Like, you get most of your work done. If you're in an office where you're there from, like, 8.30 to 5.30, your brain, your energy, it's all gone by lunch. Like, you get everything you're going to get done in the first half of the day. To make you sit there, like, there's, a, like, decreasing returns. In Germans, they get, like, 25 federal holidays, right. like, 25 paid Didn't they just cut the, out, the work week to 28 hours or something or was proposed? I, I the think French I saw did that. I think they tried to do, like, a 30-hour work week, something I'm like thinking- that. I would always peak. I would do nothing in the morning when right. I was at an office job, and then I would peak at like four thirty in the afternoon. 
because that's when I was like, oh, wait, it's almost over. Like, I got to do all this stuff I didn't do at all. Right. So I do all my work from yeah. like four to five and then go home. That's efficient. <laughs> it worked. Yeah. Okay. Next one. Next uh, fact. Okay. The government can and will reject weird baby names. Yes. You know uh, that? I love that. I love that they do that. According to German law, a person's gender must be obvious by their first name. Whoa, that's that that, that is, is not PC. All right. They also have to. <laughs> right. You can't make up a name in Germany. Like it has you to be on like a, in a book. Yeah, like it in a has baby to book? be an existing name. You have to prove that somebody already has it, and it has to be gender specific. I wonder if Turner would work. Well, you wait. What about like Irish guys? Like I have a friend named Shannon. He's a guy, but he's Irish. Right, uh, some names are both. I don't know how they deal with like immigrants coming in with different names because Germans are very particular about. It'll sound like that is just a gender issue, but it's also like a phonetic issue. People just deciding that your name, you know, you read someone's name, they tell you, no, actually, it's pronounced this way, it, just because oh. their mom made up some spelling. Those people were the worst. Yeah, so for them. Like phonetics, they're really particular on their language. Like there's an actual book called The Duden, which is like all the rules of the language, which makes it great if you're learning the language. You study it and the rules are rules. Like American phonetics are all messed up. Like yeah. if you try and teach English, it makes no sense. Like you have to memorize all these exceptions. But in Germany, there aren't. So, so everything has to fit in. So yeah. are there examples of, word, of names they haven't, they just reject? Or like, because I'm just curious. Like in, New York, in America, everyone's really into like, no one uses a normal name anymore. Like, there's yeah. no Michaels in, like, my kids' schools. What are the kids' but names? They're, like, you know, everything's, like, Hudson or... Uh, Brooklyn, isn't that it's one? Like, it's, not like, yeah. it's not, like, Max. It'd be Maximilian or, like, they're like <laughs> Brooklyn or, like... They're, yeah, there's just always, like, these names that, like, they get trendy. I always thought a good name would be Maxabillion. Maxabillion would be a great name, but, like... <laughs> um, no, there's just, like... Uh, there's nobody named like well Turner could be that could be, could be that Turner's right. borderline. But I wonder if in like, Germany they protest and they have like they they make things that are just like just they, on the edge. They don't have any on there. I mean I feel like none of my Chinese students or no one I worked with in China would ever like I work Echo, yeah. Swallow. I've had a chlorophyll. Chlorophyll. <laughs> I had a guy named Beer in a in a meeting one time and he said he picked it because he likes beer. I had a driver named Seabass. There you go. But in his defense, I, I gave him that name. <laughs> Wait, you named Chlorophyll? <laughs> Wait, what? Let's go back to that. <laughs> There's really a, someone named Chlorophyll? I knew a Chlorophyll. I well, knew a... Um, I knew a doctor named Handsome Dong. <laughs> Handsome Dong? That's pretty good. That's... It sounds made up, but it's... Yeah. I knew a... I worked with a girl named Swallow, and her last name was Wong. <laughs> Well, I'm really? not even kidding. Yeah. And she said, she, I asked her why, because it said it on her like nameplate in the cubicle. And I was like, oh, your name's Swallow. How'd you pick it? And she's like, oh, I love the bird. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. met a- uh, And her last name was W-A-N-G. She didn't get the- uh, She did not get maybe it. She did. I should maybe share, I, she did. Maybe she did. I once did a timeout <laughs> column that was all about just all the names and where it comes from and all the worst names that I've heard. I once met a woman named Titty. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> How many like hundreds- like how? Like what year will it be okay in Germany for like the name Adolf? Like where does it? Like I'm just <laughs> like because you know like that is that still not okay? I'm sure. Is there anybody name, like nobody would name their kid? I'm sure. I, I don't I, think I, I, I know in America idea. nobody like it was like a popular name and then just like disappeared. Yeah, it was like it literally felt there was like a there's a great article I read once on like name trends. Adolf. And how, like there's been other examples of names that have fallen off a cliff. That was the most extreme one. I would imagine that's <laughs> the most extreme. Pol Pot is that still up there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's making a comeback. All right, that's, that's our podcast. Paul yep. Johnson, thanks for doing it. Thanks for having me. Cap, yep. what should we do? I'm going to go play some German uh, 
some German board games. I'm going to play German Settlers. And then I'm going to get lost. Get lost. <laughs>